Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Avakind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at avakind.com. Hey. Hi. What have you been loving on avakind.com these days? Um, something. Like- I was going to tell you your cheeks looked great, but I just pulled that. <laughs> I just did that. <laughs> there will be a gap in between these two episodes, but people will still be hip to my your ways. Yeah. Um, I am into something that our whole team has been into. Yeah. In fact, it, it these little oleo uh, oso. Mm-hmm. I can't say things That's okay. Today. You just can't say personal care product <clears throat> item yeah. names. That's fine. S- uh, yeah. Um, oleo you can keep your job. Thank you. Um Balms. So mm-hmm. we have them in three colors on the site. We have crimson, melon, and bronze shimmer. Yes. Bronze shimmer. Um, I use the crimson and the melon. Yeah. And on your cheek or your lips? Uh, kind of both. I primarily you use them on your cheeks. Eyes? No, I don't. I should start using them on my eyes because I use blush on my eyes. Do you? But I use the same brush for my cheeks and my eyes. You just kind of do and all it's of it. Pretty dumb because I get the blush like under my eyes. Oh uh, yeah, you should try using yeah. these on your eyes. I should. Um, so I. I don't use anything on my eyes at this point. And I mostly, I pretty much use these on my cheeks, but then I find myself that whenever I have it out, I also just put it on my lips. Okay. Yeah. The lips are a second thought for me with but this product. it's a little bit of mo- hit of moisture for your lips too. It is. Totally. Yeah. And I, I was trying to think of when I use the red and when I use the, be my the, next question. the peachy melon yeah. one. And Claire, I couldn't tell you. I don't know. You just... Some days I feel like one, some days I feel like the other. Huh. And I pretty much have them both on me. It's not like I'm like, oh, I just have yeah. this one in my bag and mm-hmm. I, you know, I default to it because it's there. No, I also wear it, use them a lot after a workout class and couldn't tell you why that feels like mm-hmm. the right time. Well, it's but like maybe nice I want to feel like especially yeah. like flushed yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know that. Um, but they're very sheer and they give like a nice glow and they're moisturizing and they're just like a very good all purpose little thing that picks your face right up. It really does. Picks it right up. They're a glow. Um, they're sure. a glow. Um, and they are 10% off with the code a few things. They sure are. Um, you know what else we want to talk about today? 
in addition to your glow. <laughs> what? Um, tiny umbrellas, Japanese umbrellas, why the Japanese are so much more advanced than us when it comes to small umbrellas, light umbrellas. Yeah. So your mom, we were together when your mom came back from Japan and she mm -hmm. brought with her not one, not two, but three umbrellas. Well, she brought back with her an entire carry-on bag, which she then proceeded to unpack for us. She did a, a haul show. video. She, she did, did a, a haul, haul video. <laughs> no one was recording it, but it was you, my mom, and my dad. A live haul show. And yeah. we were all uh, sat down um, and we were all seated presented, for this performance. Yeah, presented. She had a big gray bag and she pulled things out one by one. And I would say there were like six things in the bag and three of them were umbrellas. Yeah, and there's a lot of ooing and aahing from I would say you and I would say me and I would say not, <laughs> not your dad. dad. No, he was not even actually looking in her direction. <laughs> <laughs> he refused. So there were. So let's start with two of the umbrellas, mm -hmm. which were two tiny rain umbrellas. Yeah, and extremely light. And the thing that I frustrates me about my mother is that Japan sells at like the drugstore and just on the street equally light umbrellas that do break rather quickly, but they're like five bucks. Yeah. And, they're and you like the weather vane ones? That's the ones. Yeah. yeah. And whenever anybody goes to Japan and they ask me if they can bring me anything, I ask for that. I, you can also buy them on eBay. Those are yes, the ones I buy right. you got on little, eBay, you and I. They were uh, like a bear one and a bunny one. That's correct. Yeah. I um, they had bear and bunny cases. <laughs> I don't ask my mom to bring them for me because she only buys the really expensive ones. And that would be like asking her to buy me a hundred dollar umbrella. And so I'm not going to do it. <laughs> she also adopted um, a very Japanese uh, custom, which was she decided it was time for her to buy a sun umbrella while she was yes. there. Um, she did seem to be taking the most pride in that one. <laughs> she did. And she showed us some pictures of her using it. too. <laughs> And I do. I, so Why I, aren't sun umbrellas a thing? I don't know. I mean, in general, Americans like being tan. Yeah. Which I, you know. Which I you're on board to. with, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, you know, I I have waited for it pale skin in America to be enough of a beauty trend that I'm brainwashed because I would love to be brainwashed into thinking that my natural skin color was was optimal. Yeah, totally. Um, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know why the sun umbrellas haven't caught on here. Well, I mean, I feel like I've been getting way too much sun on my arms and shoulders lately mm. and that that should be... And like you don't assault. like it or um, you're worried about the health implications? But, uh, yeah, like, well, first... I'm worried about the health implications mm -hmm. long term because I just don't I don't want to put sunscreen on my arms every day. That just feels like a lot of effort. I know it's not really, but well, I, I was going to say my mom uses <laughs> to, to center my mom in this conversation. <laughs> yeah, get her back in do. here. Get her um, back. She was gone for a second. She uses the super goop body lotion that's also an SPF 30. And it's pretty good. Lotion. I know. Yeah, yeah, I know what one you're yeah. talking. It's that body, it's body butter, butter one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, you know what, Claire? In fact, I even have that product. Well, um, I have no real excuses. Okay. Um, Except I just, that you like the coconut oil. Yeah, yeah. I already have. A, I already have something going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just and I don't and I don't think I, my arms need to be getting more colors. No, so, not yeah. necessarily. Yeah. Well, listen, not I don't <laughs> as a person who's <laughs> that's clearly, what I was just going to say, like, I'm sure interested if that's in a fan. <laughs> that's your thing. I just like being tan. What can I say? But I, um, yeah, I just I guess the question is, why has America not advanced in, um, in umbrella usage? Why are we not doing the sun umbrella? Why are we not having light umbrellas? Why can't we get on board? The world is flat. We should have light umbrellas, especially I, in New York, where you just have to carry one with you at all times. I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those things that like mm -hmm. nail polish never evolved for so many, so many years. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden there's just going to be this like splash of okay. innovation. That's what I'm telling myself. 
You right? Know, I, I think that that's true. And I hope so. I really hope so. Because even these weather fane umbrellas that are so inexpensive are, are hard to find on Amazon and eBay. Like it's, Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to go, you have to you, seek yeah. them. It's not like they're just yeah. falling out of the sky. <laughs> um, this conversation <laughs> reminds me that I was in Minneapolis last week and um, my mother-in-law was talking about podcasts she listens to and she just straight up admitted, she was like, I was trying to listen to yours for a little bit, but you know, I just was like, I couldn't get into it. And I was like, these girls just care too much about things like beauty and like other small things that I just like don't care about. And this conversation feels like you either get it or you like, not even you get it or you don't, but like you also care about some like light umbrellas and you don't. And I just like felt, I was just like, totally. I thank you, Barbara, I for admitting that freely. It's fine with me if you don't want to listen to a 10 minute conversation about the Japanese umbrella trends. And there, I have no, I am not insulted and I don't no. judge you for it. You know, I think also she came with a great alt name for this podcast, which yeah. is other small things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But she did say, as I have also surfaced, she was like, but I do love that intro music. Wow. Yeah, no, she, lo- she, ha- she like downloaded it on Spotify or whatever. She, she really owns loves it. it. Yeah. Wow. Huh. I, well, I'm glad that there was some takeaway for her. You yeah, know, there was some, some per- discovery. She experienced some level yeah. of discovery. I'm um, sure right, if, right at the top, really. <laughs> I'm sure if we ever let Chris on, um, she'll, she'll listen to that episode. She'll revisit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least for one episode. Um, okay. Well, yes. from here. Yes. Should we talk about the thing that we're really here to talk we're about? Really, which is like yeah. actually a really big thing. Which yeah. Is so as we just mentioned, so rare for us. So, yeah. No, we're getting really serious. Well, we've been planning on talking about this for a long time, but it was odd because I hadn't fully decided where I stood on this or like, I don't know. It was just a weird, weird thing. But what we're going to talk about today is deciding whether or not to have kids. And turns out I decided to have one. And it's going to happen. Well, we hope so. The point is, Claire, you're pregnant. I'm pregnant. We hope that it's going to result in a healthy human being. You just said it like I've decided to have one, like you just decided to start trying yeah. when, in fact, you're further along than that. No, I am. Uh, so we're I hate admitting that we record these before, like so long before they air because it feels so dated. Like we live in a world of like, you know, tweeting and live news and we should just be putting. But while we recorded this, I'll have been 16 weeks pregnant. Yeah. This will go up. I'll be like 20 or something like yeah, that. Fine. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it was a really hard decision um, that I still, even when I got pregnant, was like, oh, God, is this the right decision? Um, OK. So can we talk about how you were feeling maybe a couple, like three years ago? You're 34 now. Yeah. Not that that's relevant yeah, to yeah. any no, of no, this, no, no, but no. I think it's like interesting I, context. And my biggest feeling, it's funny because I hadn't thought about this recently, but I did for a long time feel really strongly that I would love to have kids. I would love to do it at like 45. I just felt like I had a lot of life I wanted to live. Yeah. Um, And that so much I wanted to do and get done. And like, especially I remember having a total freaking meltdown after at the end of our honeymoon, because we went to Japan, had like a just magical, phenomenal time, and then went to um, Hawaii. Hawaii and one hotel we were at didn't allow kids. And then the other one did. And it really ruined the pool experience for me. (laughs) Yeah. And I said to Chris, I was like, I'm not sure if I can do this. And it wasn't because I didn't want to deal with kids in the pool. It was because looking at them made me realize that we couldn't have just had the trip that we had with kids. And I was like, I want to go to Japan like five more times. And like, if we have kids, I'm not going to get to do that. And like, um, yeah, I just had a lot of career and as it happened, travel ambitions that I didn't think I could realize. And I also just felt totally unready. Yeah. Why didn't you feel ready? Um generally just wanting to not have to 
make decisions based on someone else. I felt yeah. really selfish. Like I want to spend my money on myself. I want to spend my time with my husband and my friends I and my work um, and just like do what I want with it. And the idea and the the idea of making all of these decisions based on a kid and having all these life restrictions based on a kid didn't appeal. And that stuff kind of still holds. I mean, I think I'm, I'm more ready now to concede or sort of, you know, make decisions based around somebody else. I'm, I'm not as ready to have to like start saving and say notifications and stuff like that and, and struggle to figure out how I'm going to get all my work done. I mean, I think in general, as we've scaled the business, my work-life balance has gotten a lot better. Totally. Um, I think, I do think that that has also helped you get into a place like work became somewhat more manageable. I mean, I think people, I've, I've talked to other Mm -hmm. friends who've gone through this process where it's not even like necessarily finding uh, a time when work sort of flatlines. Mm-hmm. It's like finding a valley where you're like, okay, I could imagine it in right. this scenario. So I'm so then once you you've come to terms with that, then like when you get a peak, it'll you'll just deal with it when it comes. Yeah, I mean, I remember. So we started the business when I was like 26, and you were 27. Yeah. Is that right? So that for whatever reason, that is the era in which I remember people starting to ask us or like ask me. But I remember, huh. I, 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 yeah, me. But I. I just remember in a lot of those situations, people asking us, I don't know if it was because they had started, we had started a company and it's like, you're going to start a company and have a kid or what. Yeah. But at that point we had no lives. And I was like, I fully cannot imagine this. And I, even in that, like when I was younger in general, I think my take was always like, I don't have uh, this like, in, I don't know, like desire for kids. Like I'm not desperate for kids. I, I, I can imagine meeting somebody and being excited about doing that with them. Yeah. Um, which didn't fully realize, like manifest in the way I thought it would in that, like I didn't meet Chris didn't and have I was like, like an epiphany when you were dating and where you're like, but this person, well, it was more just like, I think I really, this is a crazy thing to say in retrospect, but I really imagine being so in love with somebody that the idea of like, creating something that was one half them and one half me seemed like so magical. This fun project. Yeah. Or just like mystical, magical. I have no idea. Fireworks and rainbows and unicorns. Like like, that there would just be this like, yeah, this like cosmic desire to do that. This like attraction. And that didn't happen. And I I mean, I love Chris completely. Um, He he wanted kids. And that definitely was a factor in my decision. I think – I don't know if I had been with somebody. I, it's really hard for me to say if I'd been with somebody who didn't want kids. Well, of course. How? What? That's not. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, I just always wonder: a, would I have been like, I'm okay not having them, or b, would it have been like, knowing myself, would I've been like, oh, now I'm being told that I can't have them. I desperately want them. <laughs> doesn't that seem likely that that would happen to me? It does seem. It does seem <laughs> possible. It doesn't seem impossible. All of which is to say that if you haven't gathered by now, it was deeply ambivalent about it for a very yeah. long time and still have some amount of ambivalence Well, I about think it's it. a feeling that a lot of people have. Um, and I have always been deeply envious of you because you have been so firm on not wanting them. And it's not just that you've been so firm on not wanting them. I mean, I'm envious of people who know for sure that they yeah. want them. I'm envious of anyone who feels conviction around it. But it also, it feels, it, it feels in so many ways, like, not like easier answer, but like easier. I'm like, it'd be so well, easy I, to not want them and to save your money and like, go on vacation and do I mean I do stuff. think that in many ways it's an easier it's an easier path. Mm-hmm. I mean, I so for my part I have known that I haven't wanted to have kids. I don't know how to talk about this. I mm-hmm. I should say like from the top that I don't have good language for talking about not wanting to have kids. Why do you have to though? You shouldn't have to. Totally, but I just feel like people have preferences around this and I don't. Yeah. I like I 
I, I don't have preferences around childless or mm-hmm. child free. I don't have preference. I think people like bristle at the sa- idea of saying like you don't want to have kids or mm-hmm. like, oh, like no kids or like, I don't know, like that language isn't necessarily yeah. accepted. But yeah, like child free, like mm-hmm. feels like we're all like, you know, wearing <laughs> linen caftans and like yeah, yeah. Yeah, in a way that isn't yeah. authentic to life. No, you just either. don't want children. I don't want yeah. children yeah. Um, of I don't want to have or raise children of my own. Yeah. Um, but I've known that since I was or I articulated it mm-hmm. for the first time when I was 18. Yeah. Um, and I t- remember distinctly telling my mom in the parking lot of a grocery store. Mm-hmm. And I can't even remember. I couldn't tell you how we even got on the topic of this conversation or where this feeling came from. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, when I was growing up, like had babysat. I, at that point, I was definitely like nannying for our little kid who I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was never an aversion to like children. Mm-hmm. It was always just the sense that like, having or raising kids wasn't something that I was inherently drawn to. Hmm. Um, and I think, and I do think that feeling that way has helped a lot because I do, yeah. I've never had ambivalence and I, yeah. and I have always come to it from a place of just like pure emotional, um, like sensibility or awareness. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know. You've always been very aware of it. Yeah. yeah like yeah, I've yeah. just never felt a pull. I've never yeah. questioned it. I've never, did you feel, was there something that motivated you at that age to think about it one way or the other? Um, I mean, I had a really serious high school boyfriend. Not mm-hmm. that I think that that would like have, we, we were not going to get yeah. married. Like I don't imagine the scenario where that would have played out, mm-hmm. but we had dated for three plus years. And I think that God, I hope Tim Nelson never hears this. <laughs> I trust him. And knows that, knows that you knew you weren't getting married. Uh, well, we broke up pretty early into my freshman year of college. Um, Still. Anyway, anyway, um, but I think that (laughs) I think that I think having a serious relationship maybe like makes you just aware of those kinds of like relationship things or adult. I don't know. Like that's my best sense. I never felt I I never thought about it. I mean, I was also I will say with I was I would be with him Mm -hmm. around kids. Yeah. And maybe that actually was it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I would nanny for this little boy and sometimes he would come over and hang out or we'd, like, mm-hmm. we'd go out for lunch. My fr- my other friend Jeff would sometimes come over too and like play with um, the kid I was babysitting for. And sometimes when Tim and I would go, I like take TJ out for lunch or whatever, which mm-hmm. was something that like happened a lot because yeah. there wasn't, there was never like food in the house. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so all very involved. <laughs> uh, we would be out with him and people would be like, would give us these like funny looks because mm-hmm. they thought that he, mm-hmm. that you he, were teen parents, that we were teen parents and they would look at us real fucking judgy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that maybe did like give this sense that like, oh, it, what if this were what, our right, kid? Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I also have a cousin who is um, 20 years younger than me, who I was around a lot when she was little, um, who I like love desperately. Mm-hmm. And I've, you, if you listen to this podcast, I've talked about her before. Yeah. Um, but I think being around her when she was really little and being also kind of like in that role sometimes where if you're pushing a stroller, someone uh-huh. thinks you might be the parent right. and would talk to you that way did get you into that like mindset or headspace so that like, oh, this is how people respond. You know, this is like a, a faux interaction. Um, yeah. I loved babysitting as a kid. Desperately wanted to babysit. Like would race home to check the answering machine to see if anybody <laughs> had left a message asking me to babysit. And I like 
now looking back, realized that that was not because I loved children or caring for children, but I loved being given responsibility and treated like an adult. That oh, that I mean, was that, like the big thing for me. And if you think that wasn't for me, you yeah. were wrong. <laughs> um, I mean, I also yeah. like the babysitters we had when I was growing mm-hmm. up, like I was obsessed with. Yeah. And my, I had a babysitter who would take care of us when my parents were away and I was obsessed with her and she like influenced my life in a ton of ways and like introduced me to musicals and things that mm-hmm. I was never exposed to. And my favorite babysitter, who was like the teenager down the street mm-hmm. her phone number her name was jamie and her phone number was six nine three three seven seven seven. and <laughs> my mom used to make me call um it because she thought there was a better chance that she would say yes she was probably right if i called it's hard to say no to a cute girl. to like yeah. an eight-year-old yes yeah. of course but like come totally. on <laughs> yeah i think i loved babysitting so much that i assumed that that like at that stage i was like yeah sure i definitely want to be a parent and then i just like didn't think about it yeah. a whole ton for a yeah. long time until people started asking then it was just like oh my god now I'm nearing my 30s and like those are you know apparently biologically you know the childbearing years because yeah. I definitely wasn't going to do it in my 20s um I mean I've definitely myself had that question of as I get older mm-hmm. I'm gonna is, is there gonna be some like biological thing that's gonna happen right. am I gonna you know I've always felt very confident in mm-hmm. my take on it but you do wonder like hormonally is something gonna right. change for me and I just like have never felt it yeah um which yeah, totally normal. But yeah, no, totally. I mean, I also just think you're not someone who really tends to... I, I haven't known you to dramatically shift your opinion on anything that you felt really firm yeah, about yeah. ever. Like, you, you, that's part of your personality, yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I will say, I, in, like, sort of preparing for this episode, I forgot that for a good long while, like a frighteningly long while, I was obsessed with the fact that I didn't know to the point where a therapist said to me, I think you need to just stop thinking about Mm -hmm. it and talking about it because... um, When was this? I was trying to remember who the therapist was. It was actually our management coach. Um, And that was like, must have been like a year or two ago. We haven't been seeing him that long. But because... And when he said that, I was like, you're right. I do think about it all the time, like in my spare time. I mean, it was probably like around the time I got married to Chris. Yeah. (laughs) That's... Because it was so daunting not knowing. Yeah. It felt like the clock was ticking. And of course, every, you know, there's, which we can talk more about later, but everybody wants to know, which is very annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and what was really frustrating was to not feel like I had any way of figuring it out. Like there was no, I have had zero attraction to reading books about it. And there've been a bunch of books lately of people like wrestling with this decision. Totally. And it, there's the Sheila Hetty book, mm-hmm. Motherhood, that people are really excited yeah. about. There's Megan O'Connell's book. What is the name like, of it that I just, for, that just slipped my it mind. It is called... Mm, um, it, and now we have everything. And now we have everything. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I think in general, it's been like a little bit more topic of conversation. And I have, and it was like no amount of thinking, no amount of no. meditating is going to m- help me figure this out. And There's no BuzzFeed quiz that I know of. <laughs> the most sort of like illuminating thing for me or like calming in some way thing that I did read was this essay by by this woman, Courtney Martin, who's a friend who's also been on the podcast. Um, I'm going to read like a rather long chunk of it because I think it just perfectly articulated for me and what was so hard about it. Um, Was this from her book or is this No, sorry. So this is an essay. She writes an essay for uh, On Being Uh for uh the website On Being. Um, Sorry, she writes a column for the... And this was one of the... This was one of the... It was about basically the question of whether or not to have kids and how it's 
utterly insane to be like expected to know. So she says choosing whether to have a kid or not is one of the most important choices you could possibly make. And it's also one of those which you have to make with a preposterous paucity of information. And then she goes on to list all of the questions like, will I be a good parent? Will I like my kid? Da, 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 da. You have to decide yes or no without having the answers to a single one of these questions and so many more. Isn't that insane? When you decided what kind of a blender you were going to buy, you had more information than you do now. As you approach one of the most profound crossroads in any human life, you have to show up with a backpack lead heavy with the unknown and you have zero visibility on what's ahead. You're like a Sherpa with a blindfold on. And that was such a moment for me where I was like, right, there is not going to be an answer. Like it, no matter what I do. No I'm more not, seeking yeah. is not going to help. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And as you know, I am someone who does like read all of the reviews before buying the blender and needs <laughs> yeah. to look at And then maybe returns the blender <laughs> anyway and buys a different one. I look like before <laughs> I book a hotel, I'm like on Instagram looking at not only the location tag, but the hashtag and like the tagged pictures of the hotel. Like, so the idea that I would go into this like totally life changing <laughs> thing and be like, I have zero information except like a decent amount of babysitting in my early teen years is just. And you've met some babies. I've met some. Yeah. Well, and that's the other hard and thing. And you like yeah. a lot of them and you don't like some of them too well and that's been a hard thing for me too as you know where I just like look at all mothers and I'm like but I don't want to be like that and you're like you're nothing like that person and I'm like I know but <laughs> you I weren't like be that person that before club. no th yeah. this is actually a really interesting yeah. thing that I've I've discovered on yeah. this road um that you th there there is a sense and this is something I feel mm -hmm. something we both feel that yeah. motherhood is a club yes exactly motherhood is a club I don't want to be in that club you don't want to be in that club <laughs> I'm always like afraid that I'm gonna feel you're left out yet. for like not being in the club that I desperately didn't want to join. Yeah. Like desperately <laughs> didn't want to join. Yeah. Um, no, I, th you're that, that's a very accurate assessment. It's that, motherhood is treated in media like a club and I don't want to be lumped into that club. And I think that's been a huge part of things for me where I'm just like, I'm so much more than that. I don't identify with, or well, obviously cause I'm not a mother, but I don't, aspire to identify with you don't, all for of that those. Media, like primary identity. Yeah. yeah. And like yeah. to, think or act or do in that You're way. You're afraid of getting like lumped into yeah. like, or for for Claire Mazur to become synonymous with motherhood or mother right, in a way that exactly. you're not comfortable with. And yeah. listen, I am sure that as soon as I have a kid, I'm going to desperately want that community and yes. like for support and all of that. But yeah, it, it just, I think that that's a very accurate way of putting it. I mean, ultimately when it did come down to making the decision, I think there were there were like a couple of things. After so much thinking about it and something that was really hard for me to admit to myself was that the number one thing holding me back or like my number one sort of fear of having a kid was that it would get in the way of work. Yeah. And that was so hard for me to admit. And, and that's also obviously so layered because that means you too and the yeah. fact that you're not gonna have a yeah. kid and what that would mean for our relationship and our partnership. And- We've cried about this. We've we know. We've <laughs> we could cry again. We're gonna try not to. But yeah, it was like- so it, but it was all wrapped up in that. And it was yeah. like this idea that uh, there, that our roads would diverge in this way. Exactly. And that, like, how do you, how do we make that from feeling, feeling bad? Right. And that, you know, and then in addition to our relationship, just like, would I be able to accomplish all yeah. of the things professionally I wanted to do? I feel very ambitious, like towards what end? I don't know, but I just feel like I want to accomplish a lot. And ultimately I think we also got to an interesting place in our, of a kind in our career where I was able to have some perspective on it and realize like. I, I can't let this be the thing stopping me from exploring other parts of my life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and we also got to a point in our relationship, I think, also where I was like more comfortable talking about that and a more understanding of the significance of our relationship. Um, so that was like the one thing where I was just like, I don't, 
work can't be the reason I don't yeah. do this. The other thing was that I had a really wonderful therapist right around the first side of the time. A lot of therapy references in this episode, but we had a, a, a right around the time we started the business, this woman, Regina. And one of the things that she really like left me with was to not make decisions based on fear. Yeah. And I was like, wow, any sort of like reason I have for not doing this is around fear, like mostly fear of the yeah. unknown. Yeah. Um, and as you also know, I'm notoriously bad with change. Um, and normally and, and you really are. <laughs> and and then typically get really excited about it when it comes, like when it's arrived and settled. You dreaded moving into our office like so much. <laughs> you were like really like dragging your so feet. It was it. so unhappy about it. The first day we were in the office, you were like, this really is better. And I was like, I yeah, OK. Great. <laughs> um, so there was a little bit of self-awareness of there of just being like, right, you hate change. Yeah. Like this is this. You're like, don't make a fear based decision. Yeah. Um, and then there was Chris and he 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 wanted a kid. I whenever I was around our families, I noticed that that was always when I wanted a kid the most. And I love family. I'm obsessed with family. I mean, you guys hear how much I talk about my mom. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so there was that moment of just being like, I love family. I love Chris. Like he would be an amazing father, I will be. And it was like this thing of like, am I going to deprive like my life partner, my person who I want to build a life together of this thing because IDK? Like, I'm yeah, like eh, yeah. I don't know if yeah. I want it or not. And it just felt like if I didn't know, it felt unfair is not the word because that fairness feels like a very odd uh, <laughs> like thing to bring into this conversation. But I was like, that 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 obviously carried weight for me um and you know at the same time didn't want to try was tried very hard to figure out do, am i only doing it for him because that also very much felt like oh, the wrong decision no that's a that's a terrible way to approach it a terrible it. way yeah. to do it and i really well, didn't want to do that i mean yeah then there's this this sense that it's like an obligation and it, and also of something course. that can be lorded over someone like consciously or not which he was very like please don't do this like yeah. for me because i don't want you to resent the shit out of me and i think I know we've had other conversations about other women who felt similarly to me. And I will say I took a long time and was really hard for me to distinguish. I love this man so much. I would do anything for him. How can I make sure that I'm not doing this for him? Yeah, like it's fine yeah, to do yeah, it yeah. in part because of him, but I do yeah. want to make sure I'm not doing it just because I'm scared of losing my marriage or scared of what it would mean or something like that. No, I think that that's like a very real thing that people deal with. Yeah. and is a real struggle. So um, hard. Yeah. I mean, I think also not to speak for <laughs> you that. Yeah. In terms of timing, I think you really wanted your parents to be able to have a meaningful Thank relationship. Thank you. I forgot to put that here, but that was huge. Yeah. I, um, I think like the grandparent relationship is just one of the most magical, like familial relationships ever. I had really incredible relationships with both sets of my grandparents. And, um, I think that was a big thing because I did think about waiting. I entertained the idea of freezing my eggs. Yeah. And then it was just like, if I'm going to do this, the idea of doing it and not, and my parents not having a relationship with them feels utterly tragic to me. Yeah. Um, so yes, that was because you're in the thing. position that, that they're around they, exactly. in your life. That could happen. And Chris's yeah. mom too. And Chris's family are just like incredible grand and, and great grandparents. And so, yeah, but again, there was that factor of like, I don't want to do this for them. No, Am I doing it for them? But, yeah. and, it's, and I found it very hard to be honest with myself or, or just distinguish, like, am I doing this? Cause I want to please them because I am also a serious people pleaser. Yeah. Um, and I found that hard, really hard to distinguish. And I really wanted to do it for the quote unquote right reasons or for, you know, for myself. And yeah. I found that so hard. And I just like, man, I'll say it again. I cannot believe like you have this conviction or not can't believe, but I'm so jealous of it because it's like I couldn't have had 
less conviction. It's just like... I mean, I think... So, to go back to the family Mm -hmm. thing, I've definitely gotten familial pressure through the years um, and familial pushing. And I think... Um, I am I am too a people pleaser and like mm-hmm. a rule follower and um, I have always just like bristled so much at yeah. the idea that like I owe this to anyone you don't um, that I would owe this to my parents or yeah. my aunts and uncles or like whoever mm-hmm. um, that this is like something that I ought to be doing um, yeah. and I think yeah I think I just respond really poorly as I should yeah um, to yeah, any, any insinuations yeah of that. Um, something I was going to say, you were talking about not acting out of fear. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people, a lot of people who make the other, the opposite decision, mm-hmm. who are ambivalent but decide not to have yeah. kids, um, are afraid of operating or are like making decisions out of the sense of um, potential regret. Yeah. Like, might I regret right. not having a kid? Right. And the idea of like, might I regret is right. just like also such a bad way to make a decision. Truly. Yeah, you might regret yeah. it, but you also might regret having a kid which is also a really hard thing because so few people are willing to talk about regret yeah of having a yeah, kid. yeah and I yeah think some people do i think most of them are french women yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it i think it's honestly pretty much it's exclusively, exclusively french, french women. women and like all power to them and yeah. thank you for thank you for yes, taking the stand here right. we appreciate you and we hear you and i yeah i still don't know whether that's just like a darwinian or sort of thing where it's like you have a kid and you can't possibly actually like see the regret or there feel are, the are there regret. are actually there are studies i god i can't remember i think this was like an npr episode they listened mm-hmm. to years and years ago and so i'm gonna misquote like mm-hmm. all this shit real badly yeah. but basically that um the, the experience of motherhood and parenting yeah um it, it's very hard um because of the societal pressures and because of like hormones and all of that right. to express or convey regret for which this is experience. why instead people are like this is the fucking hardest most miserable job i've ever had but i love it and i wouldn't trade it for the world it's that uh book <laughs> yeah book title that's why so good kids? um oh well, no, all, no no all, 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 all joy and no fun that's what it's called that's, yeah. a, great that's a great title i feel like that really yeah. that really says something no truly um Okay, to speak from the perspective mm-hmm. of someone who doesn't want to have yes. kids, um, I, there are a lot of arguments made for not having kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're also practical and sound. They re- they, so here's the thing. They also, like, I didn't make a dis- decision because of any of these yeah. things, but they all do speak to me in a meaningful way. I mean, they're just so, so logical in a way that none of the pro-arguments are. So there's money. It's yes. expensive to mm-hmm. have a child, right? There's the environment. There's yeah. the shit world we live in. And, yeah. you know, why bring someone into that? There's freedom. Um yeah, there's all of, I mean, especially, I mean, I, it, it is no surprise to anybody listening. I think that I, I personally, and I'll speak for you too, feel like our our country, our world feels like it's kind of at an all-time low. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, yeah, It feels yeah, yeah, truly yeah, yeah. terrifying yeah. to exist from day to day. The idea of bringing a kid into this, it feels, I've never felt like <laughs> less hopeful. It's a crazy thing to do. Uh, totally, yeah. totally. Um, okay, so I want to talk briefly mm-hmm. about the, like, I think experience of being asked and responding to people, the, the answer is no. I've been there for some of it, and you man, have, it's wild. Totally. It's really wild. I okay. can't believe the things people are willing to say to you. <laughs> it's real. You're going to have to help me with some of the recall, too. Yeah. So, okay, f- it, I think, like, part of it is just the assumption that everyone will have kids. Yeah. And I think, I some, there was some article I was reading that said, that started, that included the line, like, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby and mm-hmm. baby carriage, that we used right. to, like, hand All clap to in grade yeah. school. And the idea that that is the structure and flow of life or like a woman's life mm-hmm. is so 
fucked. It's so crazy. The idea that you would need to do any of those yeah. things or in any particular order mm-hmm. is so flawed. But yeah. that is like a six year olds know that. No, it's six yeah, year olds a hundred percent know that that is the trajectory and that is so problematic. Well, it's even nuts to just watch little kids. And I I see this a little bit with little boys too, but definitely with little girls where they just feel like the, having a stroller, have, like babies pushing babies in strollers. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. such it's a go-to normal toy. thing. Yeah, totally it's normal. such a normal yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I will say that I like loved my Cabbage Patch, like <laughs> yeah. preemie. And <laughs> yeah, when yeah. my brother stole her and took off her real baby diaper and gave her a bath, I had a fucking meltdown. Oh it's traumatic. Yeah. So that's actually at the root of all this. Yeah, totally. That's, it's that's baby Nancy. And yeah, totally. Yeah. I understand now. Yeah. We can have this here. Um, but there is this place of just operating from the Assumption, this idea that like, oh, yeah. this is what you'll do. This is what everybody does. Yeah. I constantly get the like, oh, you'll see when you have your own when you're around other people's yeah. kids yeah. like that. That's just a thing. The one that I really remember that I found so jarring was we were in a rented minivan, yeah. um, a zip car. We were on Canal and um, Broadway yeah. and um, some a man that worked for us ever so briefly was in the car and asked the two of us when we wanted kids or if, because I think it was a when, not an if. Yeah. And I wasn't in a relationship at the time. And I think I said the line, like, I don't know, I don't really want them now, but I imagine I'll meet someone who yeah. will make me want them. And you said you didn't. And he chuckled and said, you'll change your mind. You'll change your mind. Just like, yeah. of course you will. Like, and it was the most patronizing thing. And, well, and it's it that sense crazy. of like, women don't know their minds. Yeah. And like women, like it felt very that to right. me in a way that was like, notably problematic. Um, The other thing that I feel like I find really challenging is uh, that I think the idea of of kids being like in, inherent in the idea of family mm-hmm. um, and that a family is determined by the presence of children. You which know, you, I mean, which I get we have, so like, angry about no, that. Truly. Yeah. Um, that the idea that family is anything in particular right. other than what you decide yeah. you want it to be. Yeah. Um, so that so part of that also comes with the sense that like family and baby are baked into a lot of wedding ceremonies mm-hmm. and a lot of like wedding toasts. Yeah. And I feel like I am per- a very sensitive yeah. and like very aware of this of yeah. just being like, and then when I can't wait for you two to like add someone well, even new. just the language, start a family. Start is a how family. people say start a family. having a kid. Yeah. When you actually start a family, when you decide can't wait for you family. two to start a family. Yeah. Like, no, you are starting a family yeah. like because you chose this person or right. you're starting a family because you have this great group of friends or exactly. whatever it is. There's yeah. no like starting a family. Right. It's not about like pregnancy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I find to be wildly frustrating. Um, and the other thing Mm -hmm. that really, that really gets me, Claire, Mm -hmm. is you'd be a good mom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I respond incredibly poorly to the assumption that you should do anything because you're good at it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. If you want to do it, great. But like, you'd be good at so many things. I hope you don't do most of them. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. I could be really good at skydiving. Who knows? Who even knows? Not me. I'm not planning on finding out. You have pretty great handwriting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things you're good at. They should not determine your life course. That's right. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And Um, I also just what kills me is like, I just don't think men are ever told like, but you'd be good at it or you're going to change your mind. And that really kills me. I don't think they're asked about it in the same way. Oh, they definitely are not asked about it in the same way. Definitely. I, I, um, I, Chris did want kids and for a while there was a lot of tension and like, or he does want kids and resentment because I was convinced that the reason he wanted kids was because men don't talk about it amongst themselves enough and women do and women share all of the horror stories and like are really, you know, and are intimate. And I was just like, 
I, I always think of that phrase, if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. Uh, and I uh-huh. feel like when it comes to kids, if you're not, not scared, scared, you're not paying yeah, attention. Yeah. And I was like, you're you're like way too gung-ho about this. Yeah. And it was like really created tension for a while because I was just like, you need to like find some dads who will who will be real with you about what parenting means because I think you think you're ready and like you're not. Yeah, um, and that's I, interesting. I think men are like, I mean, I think that that's changing, but, and you know, there's that amazing uh, website, Fatherly, but like in general, I think men yeah. are done such a disservice because they're not, they're not talking about it. And we're, in this moment in women's like storytelling where women are talking about it a ton and for better or for worse are telling a lot of really negative and scary stories which also I think made it hard for me to to have to make the decision but I think the reason they are is because for a long time motherhood was painted with like such a rosy brush oh my gosh it was just like beautiful and joyous and mm-hmm. the greatest thing and there it was flawless yeah so now there's this and then there were mommy blogs and or like <laughs> yeah. message boards exactly. really message yeah. boards of people like coming coming forth and raising hand and being like hey right I had the shittiest <laughs> day of my life right um yeah yeah no totally um, what did I want to say? I wanted to say something. Oh, you were talking about how you haven't wanted to read really anything about the mm-hmm. ambiguity. Yeah. Um, I have really wanted to read about women who have decided not to have mm-hmm. kids. And I just like have not gotten as there's just not as much content or yeah. as much like content that I've responded to um, as I want. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's also one of these situations where like, look, I'm seeking something particular. I really want this shared experience. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like what you were talking about, the community mm-hmm. of motherhood, I don't necessarily think there's so much of a community yeah. of like non-motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there's this book called... And I I don't know why, but I really think that there will be. I think there will I be I think too. there will be like, and you'll like, you'll be the generation or like the peer group that creates it. Because I, I don't know, I look around and I have just as many, if not more, like uh, women friends who don't want kids, Yeah, I think. Well, and I think that there is yeah. like some of that is like, I think there is that's more prominent in New York maybe that's than true. other places. It has certainly given me a fear of like leaving New York in a mm-hmm. way that maybe isn't like a right, you know, maybe that's isn't okay. like, we can stay yeah. here forever. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's this book I read a few years ago called mm-hmm. Selfish, Shallow and Self-Absorbed mm-hmm. um, that basically these are what women are accused of when they don't want, or people are right. accused of if they don't want to be parents. Um, and I wanted to connect with it way more than and I did. it's an essay collection? It's an essay collection. Okay. It's edited by this woman, Megan Dahm, who I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't connect with it that much, but I think, you know, if you're looking for material on this topic, it's definitely worth giving it a shot because mm-hmm. there just really isn't enough. Yeah. Um, we just recently had on the podcast, uh, Glennis McNichol, mm-hmm. who wrote No One Tells You This. Mm-hmm. Um, she is single and childless and yeah. in her very early 40s. Wrote and Wrote a memoir about her 40th year and yes. sort of like all of this sinking in. Yes, 100%. Um, and there's a really good New York Times article that's called What to Say When People Ask You Why You Aren't Having Kids mm-hmm. that I think just gets at that experience of like yeah. constantly being bombarded with this question. But I don't know if there's anything else people have read that they like, please yeah. send it to me because I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, and about the community, when mm-hmm. I was doing digging on this episode, I landed on this site called thenotmom.com. Oh, good name. The Not Mom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he, here's my favorite part of this site. There's like a whole celebrity section about um, iconic non-moms. Um which, which you know, I only I, I know can you're think really sensitive to non-moms. Which is crazy, Claire. You've thought. First of all, there are like two that you've you had thought of, Ellen Oprah and, and Oprah. Ellen. Yeah, <laughs> two women I admire greatly. Yeah, both without children, and I don't know if they'd be where they are today if they'd had kids. So I think most people could probably think of a lot of really iconic moms. You Tammy know. Duckworth. Yeah, you've there's one. That's there's, one. That's for example one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of others. Um, yeah. But for those who are struggling to think of non-mom examples, <laughs> I'm going to read you some. Catherine yeah. Hepburn. Gwen Ifill, Julia Child, Jane Austen, Ella Fitzgerald, Frida Kahlo, Amelia Earhart, Althea Gibson, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, 
Terry Gross. Terry Gross is another big oh, one that's for me. A, no, I, I, in general, like add her to the Oprah Ellen list, where I just like every time I listen to her, I'm like, God. I, no, she I speaks really articulately about not wanting kids. Um, in I think it is the long, the long form, form interview. interview. I think that's true. Or it's Mark Marin. I can't remember. Somebody interviewed her and she talked, spoke art- pretty articulately about not wanting them. And I think probably in a way that you would relate to in that there is no like, there's no big thing. She's just like, I just like, it didn't fit into my it, life. It wasn't it what wasn't I wanted to do. It wasn't an epiphany. It yeah. wasn't like, yeah, it was just like, it wasn't what you wanted to yeah. do. It was, it's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. I have a couple more. Yeah. Ina Garten, Diane mm-hmm. Sawyer, Debbie Harry, Oprah, Ellen, yeah. and Gloria Steinem, who said, everyone with a womb doesn't have to have a child any more than anyone with vocal cords has to be an opera singer. Yeah. Boom. 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 Um, yeah. No, I think there's a ton of really iconic women without kids. And <laughs> I invite people to tell me. I mean, Hillary Clinton's one I've left off the list. Um, Michelle Obama. Claire, like most, a a lot of, not, you know, uh, I think it's something like 85% of women, um, you know, aged 40 to 44 have children. So I think you'll... But not all, like, how many of them are really impressive? We don't know. A lot. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm weirdly prejudiced, like, against... (laughs) <laughs> or like I'm You're like in a weird embarrassed. headspace. I'm in a weird headspace. I'm very nervous and fearful. Um, clearly. Yeah. It's it's clear <laughs> that you're nervous and fearful. Yeah. There was something else I wanted to say on that tip. What was it? Da 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 da. Hold on. Let us just make sure we covered everything in this. I kind of think we might have. Like? Oh, I guess. Well, we kind of talked about this, but I was going to say, do we want to reference the story of uh, that is in the book about um, like having that conversation mm. in the car and just that realization of like, mm. I don't know where to shove it or like it feels shoved now. Do we want to try to splice it back in, in the beginning? I think we can save it for the okay. book. Okay. Um, so then we need to just naturally wrap it up. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. I know how to wrap it up. Um, we're not necessarily wrap it up, but segue and yeah. wrap up. I feel like the one thing we're not talking about that is very much obviously a factor in this, in the decision or the discussion is people who want kids and can't have kids. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, which yeah. just, we have been fortunate not to have been in that situation. And I will admit that was also a thing for me. I was like, well, what if I get in this situation where I'm trying and I can't? And it's not working out. Like, what will I do then? Will I just be like, well, I didn't want it that yeah, bad anyway yeah. or like whatever. And I, we obviously have friends for whom it, that, this has been a very painful thing. And I, I hope that we're like sensitive to that in talking about all of this. But um, right. It, it, a, it certainly yeah. doesn't just rest in like what your right. desires are right. or like what your intentions are. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to the biological complications, there's economic factors and all of that. And everything. Well, or like, are you in a situation where you have a partner that right. you want to have a child with yeah. or are willing to raise a child on your own i mean these are all factors yeah which and conversations we've had with friends who are who are making those decisions yeah another thing i want to say is that um like one thing that i've been so happy about is just how normalized um egg freezing and ivf and all of that is somebody who went through the egg freezing process and i thought did a really useful sort of documentation of it is um this woman katie storino who has an Mm, instagram mm -hmm. account called the 12-ish style she's great you should follow her on instagram in general but yeah we want her to come on the podcast we gotta gotta make that happen um but she archived it in her instagram story highlights she basically insta storied the entire process of getting her eggs frozen and i was like this is wonderful it was also just nice that it was 
like visual because mm-hmm. I don't think we get a lot of like take me into this experience totally. in that way. We get yeah. some like written, you know, Sloan Crosley wrote about yes. egg freezing not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it was nice to see the video archive. It was wonderful. And I think that's also just something for for people to be aware of and to, to like think seriously about like you don't if you are if you don't want to decide struggling with yeah. the decision there is that option available if you if you can if you have the resources that option yeah. can be yeah, available yeah, yeah. to you and I found her her documenting of it to be very instructional and make it kind of less like terrifying in a lot yeah. of ways totally totally anyway we're going to do a part two of this episode where we're going to talk about actually being pregnant yeah that's coming up next as if i'm the first person to ever do it or just like the first person to talk about it uh, i think you'll have something to add you're weird so. enough I you know so. um that's the show you can listen to us wherever podcasts are found like stitcher itunes leave us a review and now spotify follow us at of a kind on instagram and twitter and like our facebook page if you have ideas or requests for the show email them to a few things at of a kind.com to advertise on our podcast email advertising of a Com. Our intro music, Butterfield East, is written and performed by the Soulful Saints. We are hosted by Dear Media and we record at Showbriz Studios in the East Village.